Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Dwight Barnes for a second interview. You may have heard his interview several episodes ago, where we talked about a myopia coordinator. Today, we're talking about creating a myopia culture. And uh, I'm excited for this one because, you know, the more our culture and our practices around myopia management, the more intense uh, we can have our patients be eager about it and our staff is eager about it. And uh, it just really becomes uh, something that everybody wants to be a part of. So, Dr. Dwight Barnes on the culture of myopia. Optometric Insights Media proudly presents the Myopia Podcast where we give you the latest myopia research, clinical topics, and industry insights. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all of our awesome myopia content. And now to our host, a massive myopia manager himself, Dr. David Kading. Thank you for joining us for this episode, Dr. Barnes. Thank you for coming back to the uh, Myopia Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks a lot for having me back. Yeah. Well, so last time we were speaking with you, uh, we were learning about your uh, myopia, uh, myopia control clinic coordinator, Kristen, and how you've uh, brought her into the clinic. And it's uh, been helpful in creating a culture of myopia. Um, it, it just sounds like you ooze myopia wherever you go. Share with us again a little bit about how you... Um, how how myopia just kind of is everywhere in your clinic and how you've kind of worked to get there. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a 360 degree deal in the clinic, no doubt. So, um, you know, one of the things, and I think I mentioned it last time, but I think it's a decent starting point for this topic is I just wanted to make sure that if uh, that if anybody was coming into my clinic, no matter what, if it was coming in for a red eye or an injury or a comprehensive exam for an adult, it would become almost impossible for them to go all the way through the office and not realize that myopia management is something that exists, that there's a reason why it exists. It has a a purpose and that it's something that we specialize in. And, you know, and and then that way, if, if there's any inkling of that benefiting this person, or if not this person, someone in their family or somebody, one of their friends, kids, their or whatever. child or their grandchild yeah, exactly. or you know, their best friend who they just had coffee with and, oh, sure. Stevie's getting glasses, right? Yeah. And, oh, I did, you know, it's so young. Stevie has glasses, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and so I just love those talks. We will have those talks any way we need to have those talks because I enjoy presenting the information. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and then as we talked last time, sometimes it's me and then sometimes it's me kickstarting it and then handing it off to my coordinator. But I like having those conversations and I like it even better when the patient broaches the topic. And, you know, if they're coming in and they've got a couple of kids who wear glasses and they've seen that their prescription increases over time, and maybe they've even heard of the concept of myopia control, but they don't really know where to go to get, to get that done or they don't know if it's legit yet. You know, they haven't really, they haven't had a chance to dive into it. Then they see the signage in the office and they see the posters and the educational materials and, and they're more likely to ask about it. Um, and that's a great way to launch into it. Now, if they don't ask, I'll bring it up and I'll start the conversation regardless. But I love it when patients bring it up. I think that's the best way to um, to present that information if uh, it's a, it's a slow drip, you know, as they move through the office, it's a slow drip and to the point where they say, all right, tell me about this thing here. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. um, so I really yeah. like that. We make sure it's on, 
you know, even the little things, the, the, the voicemail, you know, when you go on hold or whatever, the on hold messaging, you know, we'll rotate through, but one of them is always uh-huh. related to myopia control, you know, and we've got the signage. We talked about the, uh, the overnight success wall, right? There's uh, patients who have been successful with it and we take their pictures and not only are they seeing patients that, that look their age, that, that make them feel a sense of confidence. Hey, I can do this. I wasn't sure I could do, you know, the contact lenses at night or, or what have you. But she's my age and he's my age and they did it. And I probably can, but even more so than that, they're probably seeing one of their classmates, you know, um, lots of yeah. kids in this area and they know each other. And, you know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Now I do. I remember them telling me they do these overnight lenses or, or something like that. So it's just a great way to create that awareness and, uh, and reinforce what we're telling them in the exam room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like this success wall and I think that's a good key component of it. And uh, I think we mentioned last time this myopia coordinator that you have is able to really drive and help this culture. One of the other things you had mentioned last time is that uh, you had a staff training one time and and she put together the whole training for the whole office, right? Totally. She's excited about myopia where I think sometimes I get excited about a topic in my office and I'm Mm -hmm. talking about it all the time. But, uh, you know, the staff is maybe finds me a little less approachable, Mm -hmm. you know, just to ask a quick question about something if it's in the middle of the day. Whereas if they have a coworker who, you know, uh, is an optician, they'll ask them about glasses, right? But they don't have that for myopia or dry eye unless you have a specific person who that's their gig, right? That's their thing. And so I think that's a brilliant aspect to help drive that culture. Sure. Tell us a little bit about the outside of the office uh, messaging and marketing that you do. Obviously, word word of mouth seems to be a really good driver for you, but uh, the on-call, your website or social media sure. or what, yep. what else do you use? Um, well, we, we hit we hit the social media, certainly. Um, you know, we don't do a ton of external marketing. And part of that is because our schedule does stay pretty saturated, which is a good problem to have. Um, so we don't feel the need to do a ton of external. But when we do, we try to be strategic with it. You know, um, I try to always have a concept of, you know, not do I want another body coming in my office, but who do I want that to be, right? And myopia control isn't the only type of patient I want to attract, but usually I've got something in mind. You know, I I want to attract a a myopia control candidates or I want to attract people who are interested in, you know, certain, you know, nicer eyewear or something like that, right? So we try to be directed in our messaging, but we also try to make sure that no matter what we do, we are at least putting a certain amount of that effort into myopia control. So some of the things that we do, which became tougher with COVID, absolutely. But, um, you know, culturally, there's a lot of different uh, different areas where myopia is an even larger problem than we have here. And we have a, a big enough problem here, but um, we have a, a really large uh, Chinese community in our, in our area um, and also a very large Indian community in our area. And I found that they tend to come in with a bit more background knowledge on myopia than people who have grown up and and their parents grown up and their grandparents right here. I feel like a lot of these patients who are coming in from from other areas of the world come in with the background knowledge of already knowing that myopia is not such a great thing and right. that there could be some adverse effects and that it does get worse. And so the conversation, it, it's almost like I only have to have half the conversation. I can skip sure. the, this is myopia. 
and it gets worse and there's things we can do and I can jump to, all right, you want to know what we can do about it. So let me tell you what we can do about it. You know, it's a, it's a shorter, quicker process. And a lot of times those are the ones that they don't need a couple of follow-up calls and answer a bunch of questions. They're just ready to move forward because they wanted to do something about it to begin with. But I started going out to, uh, there's a, a Chinese school that meets on weekends at a high school, really close to my office. And, uh, all throughout the school year, they're there every Saturday, all different grades and, you know, l- learning different things. And they're very, very happy to have um, speakers come in. Um, so the kids are in school and they're doing things. And then the parents are also there on and off, depending on if what program they're offering. And the parents will just kind of come on in and uh, and I'll go in and I'll put together a PowerPoint and, you know, run through childhood vision in general, dive on into myopia, why we care about it, what we can sure. do about it, answer a lot of the things that that I tend to get questions about, and then mm-hmm. stick around for 30 minutes, Q&A. And, you know, there's always some of the great questions there. And I, I've done that for before COVID. I probably did it in person like five years in a row. Right. And then I did one virtual during COVID. And then hopefully we'll get back in there this year because they're back in person now. Um, and even yeah. the virtual one was pretty well attended. You know, they set it up and, you know, publicized it. It wasn't just me doing it. I was doing it through their school because they were doing virtual school. You know, and they were setting uh-huh. up. They were used to setting up for their classes. So they just set one up for me. Um, in addition to that, I've done not a lot, but I've done a couple of Facebook live events. And hmm. that was really set up to replace events I would occasionally have in my office. So in addition to going to the Chinese school, which was always a wonderful event for us, I mean, really engaged audience. And, um, you know, we'd see some current patients and we'd see some some potential patients coming in. I would oftentimes, you know, have just a small setting, you know, whatever. When I have 10 or 12 people come in and uh, just have a little Q&A session in, in the office. And then when it when we got into COVID and yes, we were back open for business, but having a gathering that was intentionally crowded wasn't a really good idea at the time. So, so, um, you know, so my staff said, Hey, why don't you do a Facebook live event? I'd never done it. And, you know, we'd, we'd have some people kind of pop in and ask questions and I'd have my, uh, my coordinator would be on there as well. Kind of, we, we weren't in the same place. It would be in the evening, but kind of, uh, funneling through the questions that she saw, you know, kind of sending a message. So I didn't miss one that was important and, and things like that. And, um, I always would prefer to do it in person because I just think it's more engaging. Yeah. But if you can't, it, it's a nice way to have some interaction. And I also think it's very non-threatening. You know, you have that patient maybe that they came in in June and they they just weren't interested at the time. You know, not that they didn't have any interest ever. It's not right for me right now. I'm not in. OK, that's fine. And, and everybody has different family dynamics and different things going on. And we just say, hey, you know, let us know if you need more information down the road. Yeah. Well, then we host an event, whether in person or, or Facebook Live or anything like that. And let's say it's four months later and we send yep. things out through email. Hey, we're doing this. And he's interested. It's a great chance to just reengage. And they may have a question they want to pose or they may just want to sit there and just kind of watch what other questions come in and listen. So it's a really nice way to give them a very, very non-threatening way. We're not badgering you to come in. We're just giving you another opportunity to interact with us on this topic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the group of people that maybe you invite to that are people that have been in who have not moved forward with myopia and they just may have questions and they may not know even the questions to ask, but they're just not comfortable with it. Sure. And I think that's a, and you spoke about this before is that part of the myopia coordinator's role is to reach back out to those people who, you know, yeah. said no and 
having something to invite them to or to share about that you're doing um, and that you want to offer more information. Other parents are going to be there. You're not going to be alone. Um, I think those are incredible ways to help create this myopia culture. Anything else that uh, you think you've done well? Oh, you, you alluded to this before, is that not all the doctors in your practice necessarily do myopia, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your wife's not a, 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 doesn't do myopia control. Right. So she probably just leaves all those myopic patients to develop and progress until they end up on your schedule the next two or three years <laughs> later, right? So yeah, it of course. oozes through. So right. um, how, how do, the myopia coordinator probably helps with that. Yeah. Uh, what it, else? It's a two-part thing. You know, it's it, just like we had mentioned in the, in the previous podcast when I was on, you know, if, if the staff in general, and we're not even talking just the other doctors, we're talking your 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 staff that works your front desk and your opticians. And if they understand clearly, this is the benefit to the patient and this is the benefit to the practice. Unfortunately, myopia control is one of those things that are very beneficial to both. I mean, right. everybody benefits. It's good for all parties involved. You know, they, they'll promote it for you. They'll They'll mention it to the appropriate patient. And even if they don't have the answers to all the questions, there's someone in the practice who does, right? You know, they can start it. Hey, I got interest. Hey, Kristen, can you come over here and, and talk to them? Well, it's the same thing with the doctors. The conversations can take quite some time, especially if a patient has a lot of questions, you know? And so it's just a matter of, you know, of course, my wife understands the benefit and the importance and the benefit to the practice and to the patient. And she identifies them and she starts a conversation and she just hands it right on off, you know, and, uh, she will, depending on what the schedule's looking like, she'll leave them in the exam room and leave to go to the next patient. And Kristen will come in and grab a brochure and a business card and talk to them there in the exam room. If that exam room needs to be used, you know, sometimes patient flow, you need to get them out of there and, and recycle that room. Uh, yeah. She'll take them on into her office and have that conversation. Or I've had times where it happens out in the optical, you know, they're, they're checking out and they're talking to about glasses. And then, you know, she comes on out and provides some of that information as well. So there's a handful of different ways that can happen, but it makes it so much more likely that it doesn't get missed. Right. Um, I think one of the mistakes probably that I made early on, and that I think a lot of doctors make early on is whenever something's new in your practice, it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't matter how beneficial it is. It takes a while for it to become front of mind. You know, some new contact it doesn't have to be ortho K, you know, some new soft lens that's really fantastic. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to use this all the time. But you don't use it because it hasn't been there. You're not used to grabbing it. And you're just like, oh, man, that patient, right. that, that would have been a great patient. It's the same thing. Just put whatever it takes to put the pieces in place so that you don't miss any of those patients, that you are just incredibly consistent about making sure the conversation happens in some version with every single patient that benefits yeah. because that's part of our mission. That's part of our job. Right. And yeah. I would, I would argue that whether you do myopia control or not, part of your job is to educate patients who would benefit that there is a thing called myopia management yeah, and that there are options. Um, yeah. But if that is something that you specialize in, it becomes even that much more important. You know, don't let one slip through the cracks. If they don't do it, right. let it be because they did not, appreciate value. You know, when you presented it to them, they said, okay, that's pretty cool. Not for me. Okay, that's fine. We've given them all the information and then they've made the decision that they feel is best for them at this time. And that's fine. One of the things I really liked that you said is that if 
we could get the patient educated to the point where they're the one asking, right? It's yep. like, well, can you tell me more about, yep. well, sure. you know, maybe, right? It's almost <laughs> you want them to say, hey, can I have that, right? Even before you, right. you so what What are, you, you mentioned there's things around the office and, you know, brochures and so forth. Where do you get those? What, you know, somebody wants to go and say, hey, I'd like a poster or I want brochures, are those things that you yourself have made or are they, are you getting them from the Academy or yeah. from an ortho K company? What are you doing? It depends on the actual item. So our brochure, we started with the Academy brochures, the, the Academy of ortho K myopia control, and they have a really good informative um, brochure. And I did end up redoing that and making one myself mm-hmm. um, basically because I don't think I'm alone in this. I think most doctors would answer this way. I'm into branding. You know, our brand is what our brand is. And I want it to look and feel like it came from my office. Regardless of how professional it is, I want it to look like something that came from Carey Family Eye Care. So um, what we did sometime back, and I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier, but I I think it's pretty fun and cool. We we developed its own logo for our myopia control clinic. You know, so there's the Carey Family Eye Care logo. And our myopia control clinic has a logo. Again, that that concept of a clinic within a clinic. Now, it looks different from our practice logo, but it has similarities. That's the same color scheme. You know, we tend to use a lot of blues. We're we're just a very, very blue office. And so um, it has the same color scheme. It has a little bit more of a playful, whimsical font to it. It's very clear because it says myopia control clinic. So there's no question about what it is. And then we kind of, uh, it includes this little mascot that we had developed for us. And it's a little owl and his name's Axel. Um, AXL, kind of like Axial Inc. Get it? So yeah. Axel's our little mascot, right? And so we've got a big uh, kind of wall sticker, uh, one of those like fathead wall stickers that's over there by that overnight success wall that's got Axel there kind of pointing over to it. And when we, when you transition on my website from the standard Carry Family Eye Care page to the myopia control section, the color schemes are similar, but it has a different feel to it. It's got it's got Axel on there. It's got the, a little different font, a little bit more kind of a playful, whimsical, like a child-friendly font and look to it. And we try to carry that over with it. So, um, yeah, when we started to make the brochure, we included that on there. And I... I worded the way we describe certain things similar to the way I say it, you know, and I don't say it the same way you would say it. And we bring in another colleague who does this and they'd say it a different way too. So things have a bit of a feel for how I tend to communicate with it. And, and that also mirrors the way that, that Kristen tends to communicate my myopia control coordinator. We, we use a lot of same language and, uh, and talking points. And so I thought that was important. So I created the brochure myself. And with the help of a professional company to put it together, make it look pretty, right? And then uh, we order those. And whenever we need more, we just say, is there any change we need to make? Or are we just good to go? Um, on the posters, I did not develop them on my on my own. Um, there's two different posters we use. One, boy, I want to give the credit to the right place. It was, it was one of the big patient education myopia websites. And they have posters that you can... Uh, use and there you can find ways to customize them. So you know, kind of toss our logo in there. And then there was another one that a colleague of mine from the academy had created something that they were fine with people kind of taking and borrowing. So it's a combination of borrowing and modifying and creating our own. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I guess what I would probably suggest people do is to ask around and people in the myopia world, if you're looking at getting into that, find out who's, who's done something where they've got it. And, um, you know, it's a small community. We'd be able to find those resources and get them up. But I certainly have taken away some really good things for my own clinic. I know other people have, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have as well. It's good. Anytime we talk about what we, what we are doing, we always realize what we should do better. And, and I definitely no exception to that in my office and some real good tidbits here. I, I, you know, I like this myopia wall. I think, you know, attracting the patients that you want back into your clinic, um, that's called dynamic marketing, right? So we can market to the community, but if they're, you know, the, you know, emetropes that come in, you know, we're, we're not going to stay open on emetropes We're we want right. to see them. We want to help yeah. them. Uh, but uh, definitely looking for avenues and organizations and, uh, and specific groups, which may be more likely to have myopia. You mentioned you go to this Chinese school and, you know, th- certainly some opportunities there. Well, d- hey, thank you for joining us the second time for the Myopia podcast. Both episodes are fantastic. If you haven't heard uh, the discussion that Dwight and I had about Myopia Coordinator, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. And uh, always like picking your brain, Dwight. Thank you for your contributions. Totally. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Make sure to subscribe and uh, and like, and uh, please leave us any comments on ways that we can uh, impact your practice and help you more around myopia management. This podcast was brought to you by Optometric Insights Media. If you enjoy our content, please leave a five-star review and don't forget to subscribe for more great episodes.